Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. This morning, I preached a message called The Trap of Offence. And so tonight, I'll actually be continuing with that theme, talking about offence. I do need to do a little recap, if I could, because uh, there was a couple of things that really popped in my spirit uh, when I was speaking that I really felt the Holy Spirit was speaking to us. And so I do want to say, however, before I do a little recap, obviously I can't recap the whole sermon or else we'll be here for seven hours. Uh, but I wanted to firstly say thank you uh, that you would give me the opportunity to actually preach this message. Uh, this is not an easy message to preach. Uh, because the truth is, is that preaching is not about just saying stuff. Uh, it's not just about getting up and quoting your favourite verse. The message and the messenger actually has to become one. Because if I can't preach something that I'm not living, essentially I'm a hypocrite. And so this is a deep conviction in my heart that I want to say thank you. Thank you for letting me preach this message Thank you for entrusting me with this message because we're really dealing with things of the heart, aren't we? Anyone can give a prophecy. Anyone can tell you how amazing you are. But when it really comes to the real stuff, the stuff that actually causes blockages in our call and in our relationship with God, they're big things to face. But tonight, there is a grace in this room. There's a grace in this room because... The God that we serve, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we prophesy that, we speak that, and we declare that in Jesus' name. This morning, I made a statement that I want to mention again tonight, and that is, we were speaking about the life of Joseph in one of the points, and we said that the destiny God has for us unfolds all with us at the junction of offence. And tonight... What we want to do, we do not want to be people who wither. We do not want to be people who draw back. But just like Joseph, even though he had every right to be offended, we discovered this morning that offence is an event. Offended is a decision. And Joseph had every right to be offended, but he recognised all of those things that happened to him the betrayal of his brothers, being wrongly accused, being falsely imprisoned, being forgotten about in prison. He did not allow the event of offence to become something in his life, oh, excuse me, that caused him to become offended. We do not want to be offended. It's okay to experience offence, but we don't want to park there. We want to move from that. And we discovered that the, the, the falsity of the brothers who, uh, who sold Joseph into slavery, they had a misunderstanding. Uh, their envy, their jealousy pushed them to a point where they had a deception in their heart. And the, de the deception was, is that they believe that you will win at the expense of another. And the fact is in life, you will never ever win at the expense of another. The brothers, they also believed that 
the vengeance that they had in their heart was a motivation that led them to excess. But excess in pursuing vengeance, because we do not want to be people who develop vengeance in our heart. Vengeance, whilst pursuing it, will actually eat you alive. And God's plan for you is that you are released from being offended. Because for Joseph, we discovered that the secret of this junction in his life where he could have chosen to be offended and he chose not to be offended, but to keep a sweet and a clean and a good spirit. Come on, someone, help me tonight. We discovered that the land of offence under the presence of God, in fact, becomes the land of your anointing. And many people stay offended, not realising that God uses it as a mechanism for elevation in your life because you choose to bring it under the blood of Jesus and God uses it to elevate you in your call. Can you say, Amen. Tonight, we're not going to talk about the person who cuts you off in traffic and you get a little bit upset at them. (laughs) Anybody out there tonight who has traffic wars? Amen. I love you. I believe in you. We are brothers in Jesus. (laughs) We're not talking about the person who beats their horn at you in traffic. And we're not even going to talk about the friend who said they were going to catch up with you and forgot to rock up. All the organised people said, Amen. Tonight, we're going to go a bit deeper. We're going to go into the type of offence that actually causes a person to become captive, remembering that the Greek word for the word offence in the New Testament is the word scandalous. The word scandalous means to set a trap or to lure an animal. Offence is a trap. The idea of offence is to keep you entangled. It's there to place you in a prison. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking to people tonight who perhaps have been offended for years and you've held on to offence, you've held on to unforgiveness, you've held on to this burden for far too long and tonight the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, this is your night of freedom. You need to be free. You don't need another prophecy. What you actually need is to be free. You don't need a person to come alongside of you to tell you you're going to be the next Joyce Meyer or the Billy Graham. What we need tonight is freedom in Jesus Christ because it was for freedom, come on, that Christ has set us free. Tonight, I'm going to speak about one of David's closest friends. This is probably a name that you've never, ever heard of in the Bible before. This friend of David betrayed him. His name is Ahitropel. What a great name for your next child. (laughs) David, for David, this man was his trusted confidant, a dependable advisor, a constant companion. In fact, the Bible calls this man to David a close friend. I'm talking tonight to people 
who've been betrayed and hurt by a close friend, by someone you actually trusted in, someone that was dependable and in the end proved to be a pain in the butt. Come on, someone help me tonight. For David, he was in fact David's number one advisor. He was so dependent or dependable, I should say, that the Bible actually speaks about him in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. Have a look at this verse on the screen. It says, Now in those days, in those days the counsel that Ahithropel gave was as if one consulted the Word of God. He was so close to David that his counsel to David was held in highest esteem. It was literally as if God was speaking when this man opened his mouth. Now, David is getting a little bit old. So much so that he's freezing in bed, all kinds of things are going on. And David's son Absalom makes a decision that he is going to be the next king of Israel. So you know the story of Absalom. He goes down a process of taking and stealing the kingdom from David, whereas God's plan was that Solomon would be the next king of Israel. Now Absalom, uh, he goes through a process of getting himself anointed, etc., uh, etc., et and the coup against David is compounded by the defection of Ahithropel. Now, Ahithropel was David's close friend. He was his confidant. In fact, the Bible tells us that the two of them would go to the temple and worship God together. He was close to David. Now, when Absalom turned against his father David to become and anoint himself as the next king of Israel, this man defected and this man chose not to be loyal to David, but to be loyal to Absalom. And the question for us is why is it that a man who would serve as David's close friend, come on, stay with me now, who would serve as David's close friend for all these years, be a confident, be a dependable advisor, because how many of you know he was even anointed? We know he was anointed, because he would give advice to David as if it was the Word of God. So this man was not a bad man. He was an anointed man that was dependable, that was wise, that was close to David. But when the rubber hit the road, he turned against David and he went with Absalom. The Bible tells us a bit more about this man, Ahithropel. Try and say it, by the way. <laughs> okay, you're not going to give it a go? Let's keep going forward. It tells us that when this defection happened, watch how bad this man's heart became. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, moreover, Ahithropel said to Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men. 
and I will arise and pursue David tonight. So here's a close friend. Here's a confidant. Here's a dependable advisor saying, give me 12,000 soldiers, David's done tonight and you'll be the next king of Israel. I will come upon him, verse two, while he was weary and discouraged and throw him into panic. Now, what kind of friend is that? (laughs) What, What kind of friend would walk with King David all of these years? And whilst he's weary, whilst he's discouraged, I will throw him into panic. And all the people who are with him will flee. Watch this. I will strike down the only king. He makes a decision. It's not gonna be the 12,000 soldiers that are gonna kill King David. This man had defected so bad in his heart that he said, I will strike down the king. So in other words, he defected so bad, his offence, he was so offended that he developed a murderous spirit in his life. Are you with me tonight? And I'll bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. He sounds very lovely. He's very poetic. You seek the life of only one man and all the people will be at peace. So what's going on? What drove a close friend to develop a murderous spirit to destroy the life of another. Some of you have dealt with people like this in your own life, people that you've walked with, people that you worshiped with, because these brothers were going to church together. The Bible later you'll see, will tell us, and I'll show you the verse, they worship God together. This was a friend. Some of you know what it's like to have a friend like that to have a close confidant who has hurt you, who has betrayed you. Now, it's one thing when someone out there, you know, kind of is a little bit nasty, but how many of you know when it's someone that you've trusted, someone that you give your heart to, it hurts. What happened to this man? What happened to this man that he would become like this to hurt and destroy his friend, King David. Well, the Bible actually gives us a clue. And in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 34, watch the clue. Come on, you've got to stay with me tonight. It says, Eliphelet, wonderful name, the son of Asherah, of McDonald's. <laughs> now watch this. Eliam, come on, say his name, Eliam. Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. So watch this, stay with me now. We know simply through this verse, the name of his son. Ahithophel's son's name is Elias. Now, this observation is key, it's critical. You need to write it down. And it's significant because it's, providing for us tonight some valuable knowledge. Stay with me now. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse three, watch this. Now, David, 
does the wrong thing. David commits adultery and David goes down the path of murdering Uriah. And the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 11 verse 3, and David sent and inquired about the woman and one said, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam? Come on, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Ahithophel has a son by the name of Eliam. Eliam has a daughter by the name of Bathsheba. Ahithophel is the grandfather of Bathsheba. So all these years, he walked alongside of David, but he remembered the event of when David killed his son-in-law. He remembered what happened with Bathsheba and for years and years, he held on to it and when his opportunity came for revenge, he pounced on it. There are some people who will pounce on your weakness, who will pounce on you so that when you're down and out, when you're weary and you're discouraged, it's their moment to hurt you. Some of you have experienced that. You've experienced the same spirit of a person who holds on to something. I know people who've held on to stuff for years and years, and when the opportunity came, boom, they took the opportunity. David writes about Ahithophel in Psalm 55. Verse 12, and watch what he says about his close friend. Now this is, this is years after the event, Absalom, you know the story, David gets back on the throne and it says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. He's speaking about just a general enemy coming, person down the road, the not nice person over there. He said, I can endure that. I could hide. Verse 13, but it is you, a man like myself, my companion, watch this, my close friend. Some of you know the betrayal of a close friend. You know what it's like, like David. It could have just, if it's someone out there, you'll endure it. They get mad at you on the road. You'll you keep going. You'll persevere. You'll develop endurance and get through it. But when it's your companion, when it's your close friend, it goes deep. David says in verse 14, with whom I once enjoyed not just fellowship. These brothers had sweet fellowship. They went to the same life group. <laughs> at the house of God. They worshiped together. We walked amongst the worshipers. A close friend, someone he trusted, betrayed him. Now David, he could become offended because of someone else's offense who turned out to be offended because of an event that happened all those years ago. And tonight, we gotta recognise 
that offence and being offended will come in our direction. If you are called of God, just like David, there will be people who are close to you. Hopefully not someone in your life group. (laughs) Not someone that you're worshipping kind of near to tonight. Don't look around because they're all nice people around you. But it's coming. It's coming in your direction. People that you think are close will offend you. If it happened to Jesus, a man by the name of Judas, then it's coming to you. And in this day and age, we live in a generation where it's a form of glory to be offended. I'm offended. You're offended. I'm offended too. That offended me. Offended me as well. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is, it is, excuse me, it is his, pardon me, we got there eventually. Your glory is not to hold on to the offence. Your glory is to overlook an offence. God wants to set you free. God wants you to experience freedom, wholeness, holiness, because some of the people that you are stewing over and thinking about the companion, the life group buddy, the person I worshipped with, you are thinking about them, but they're not thinking about you. And we find ourselves in the trap of offence. We've become offended and we let it percolate in our spirit night and day. Amen. This is heavy tonight. But Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, because we need a generation that's unoffendable. Unoffendable. Just like Joseph, unoffendable. The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Come on, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Holding on to offence will dry your bones. But the Bible says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So we have a choice tonight. We have a choice to stay. We can stay there. We can view everything in our life through the lens of past experience. They're good, they're bad. I hate them, I like them, but you you cannot be at peace with God and at variance with others. It's impossible. You cannot be at peace with God and at variance with others. God's call for you is not to stay there. You are called, you are anointed, you are powerful, you are a man of God, you are a woman of God, and God is calling you, second choice, is to move forward because one of the greatest gifts you can give to people is not your prophecies. One of the greatest gifts you can give to people is your transforming self. God's calling us tonight to a place of transformation where what Ahithophel did to us, some of you know, you've lived long enough to know what that brother's like. Some of you have had about five of them. (laughs) Nobody laughed at it, but I did. (laughs) It was like, oh, poor person, they had five. I've only had one. (laughs) We're going to move forward tonight. 
We're not going to be a slave. We're not going to be entrapped by this spirit because it entangles you and it'll dry up your bones. Because a merry heart doeth good, King James says, like a medicine. So what do we need to do? Three things that God is calling us to tonight. Are you ready? Who's enjoying my preaching tonight, by the way? I'm having a good time, actually. (laughs) Number one, acknowledge your hurt. You gotta let the grace of God reveal it. Now, I gotta tell you something about myself. See, when I, I grew up, I grew up in an environment where my parents were hard workers. Uh, my dad was in the building industry. Uh, I remember him going to work early in the morning. The way that he loved my family, so I have an older brother, older sister, I'm David, they're lovely. But anyway, all the, all the, all the youngest said, Amen. We get everything given to us. No, we don't. So uh, what had happened was my dad showed love through hard work. He was never affectionate. He he never showed, um, he he wasn't an emotional man. Uh, That was, he was the the, uh, the produce, again, of his own upbringing. So it developed in me, in my formative years, a, what I would call, and I said it this morning, a false form of strength. And the false form of strength do not show emotion. That false form of strength is with me to this day. So last year, when I got very sick and I ended up in hospital in January, I'm convinced a couple of Panadols, pull the doona over, you'll get through it. And through the wisdom of my wife, after four to five days of Panadol not working, she called the ambulance. Now, do you know what went on in me when Alison called the ambulance? How weak is that? (laughs) Because I had developed in me, you need to be strong. And I had developed a false form of strength. Some of you have built walls around your emotions not acknowledging hurt, but it's a false form of strength. It's not actually strength. What it actually is, is hardness. And the Bible says that God is closer to those with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Amen. When we come to God with our weakness, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, my grace, come on, is sufficient for you. And the Scripture goes on to say, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Some of you are missing out on God's strength because of your false form of strength. You're missing out on the blessing that's available to you in the strength of God because you've built walls around you pretending that that is strength, but it's not. And tonight, we need a meeting with Dr. Jesus, the great physician, because some of you have internal bleeding. What bleeding? No, it's not. Nothing on my leg. Nothing on my arm. Guys, anything on my back? No, nothing. But you're bleeding internally. And the Spirit of God is wanting to do surgery on your heart 
to set you free. Can you say amen? David, all through the Psalms, expressed his hurt and his pain. It's not that you are a bad person. Come on, weak people made strong in Jesus. Psalm 69 verse 17, do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. What a a great prayer. God, I'm not doing well at the moment. Come on, we're Aussies. We just wanna be real. We don't like falsity. Just, I'm in trouble, I'm not doing well. Men, we're so good at hiding the pain, being strong for our families, being strong for our mates, just, just putting on the facade. But tonight, the Spirit of God speaking to us and saying, you're bleeding internally. And I need to heal you and set you free. Psalm 143, verse seven, answer me quickly. Lord, my spirit fails. Ever you felt like, some of you are like, finally, there's someone who relates to me. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Anyway, <laughs> let me have a drink. <laughs> David's like, I'm weak. My spirit is failing. Lord, I need your help. What was he doing? He was acknowledging his hurt. He was acknowledging we need a generation of young men, young boys who understand building up those walls does not make you a strong man. Coming to God in weakness and asking for His strength because you can have a tender heart and be strong. It's not one or the other. You can have a tender heart and be a strong man. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's okay tonight to look at your feelings. I wanna give you permission tonight. I wanna give you freedom tonight to look at your feelings. It's okay tonight. You are not a bad person by looking within and saying, I am hurting. Amen. Number two, you may not be able to reconcile but you can release. That's very good. You may not be able to reconcile, but you can release. Now, here's the trap of Satan. Satan's trap is this, and that is, it's not really forgiveness unless there is reconciliation. Can I tell you about a non-reconciliation story in my own life, but how I experienced Freedom. Now, my prayer is, is that you would experience, like if you can have reconciliation with whatever that guy's name, I forgot how to pronounce it, Raphael, him. If you can experience like glory to God, but I need to tell you, it's not always gonna happen. You see, when I, when I was younger in ministry, there was a particular man of God that was a companion that I worshipped with that just like Psalm 55, and, and he had some funky ways of doing life and, and, and deeply, deeply, deeply hurt me. I found myself entrapped. I found myself in a prison trying to advance in the purposes of God, yet I was, just didn't have offence, I was offended. And one day, I'm thinking about it and I'm praying about it because 
I made this rule in my mind. <laughs> I put this pressure on myself that unless there's hugs and kisses and reconciliation in that sense, then it's not really forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit had to correct me. And the Holy Spirit said to me that forgiveness is not predicated on reconciliation. You can forgive. The word predicated for some of our young people simply means based. It's not based on reconciliation. You can forgive without there being a formal reconciliation. And Satan has lied to you to tell you that you must hug and kiss, exchange phone numbers again, send each other nice DMs on Instagram and then it's all sweet again. No, no, you can forgive without any of that ever happening. In other words, you can choose to forgive someone for their actions without necessarily re-establishing trust. Because Arithophel, I need to tell you, <laughs> he may not need your trust. That's dangerous. He may not need or she may not need your closeness again. And you may never actually get into a harmonious relationship with them. But Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrated His own love towards us in that whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. God made a decision to forgive and to love without there being, oh, well, let's, let's give it a try and see if they're willing to, let's just give them a hug first and check it out and let's send them a DM, Holy Spirit, and let's just see if it works out. No, God demonstrated His love towards us. Come on, I'm preaching good tonight. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died. He made a decision to forgive without reconciliation. Amen. I had to go through a process with this person of saying their name in prayer and saying, God, I forgive. Let's call him Ben Sherman. <laughs> I, I forgive that person. And I had to pray a prayer, Lord, I release them. For some of you tonight, that's your road to freedom because watch this, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. I had to say it, I forgive. I name the person, Lord, forgive Ben Sherman. I release them in Jesus' name. Watch this, over time, I saw the manifestation, stay with me now, of what I was saying. It's by the confession of our mouths and we say it aloud. Now watch this. Here's the other thing. It doesn't need to be a big spiritual moment. It doesn't need to be like, whoa, Gabriel's there, Michael's, oh, Holy Spirit, you're there as well. Lord, I forget. Come on, it does not need to be a big spiritual moment. Write this down. Sometimes we need to forgive by faith. Amen. Sometimes we need to forgive by faith. That is, I'm choosing to trust God's voice over my feelings. The moment you do that, young people, mums and dads, grandparents, you begin your healing journey. You begin your healing journey. I forgive, say the name, of the Father who abandoned me. 
That's big for some of you tonight. That's big. But you can't stay in the prison of offence any longer. It's hurting you. It's drying up your bones. It's stealing your joy. It's stealing your freedom. And God has given you a solution tonight. And the solution is, Father, as you have forgiven me, I forgive them. Amen. I forgive that friend, because here's, here's the story for some of This is your Rafael person. I forgive the friend who lied about me. Close friend, a companion. I forgive my husband who cheated on me. I forgive my wife, say the name, who left me. I forgive my brother who betrayed me. I felt this when I was preparing the sermon this afternoon. The Spirit of God prompted me on this one. I forgive the family member who stole from me. I forgive the boyfriend or the girlfriend who left me. Come on, there's authority in what you say because we're not waiting for this dynamic spiritual moment. We forgive and we say it by faith. Amen. Come on, am I talking to anyone tonight? Now here's the thing, here's the thing. I may forgive them and they may never ever say sorry. Are you okay with that? I may forgive them and they may never ever say they are sorry. And here's the other thing. Don't expect an apology. Leave that up to God. Put that in God's hands. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will put it in God's hands. And don't pray that verse over them because that would not be nice either. <laughs> but here is the glory of overlooking the offence. You obeyed God. You obeyed God. And watch this. You are the one who will experience a new level of freedom. And, he, and here is the blessing of God. The need for their apology will disappear. Freedom in Jesus' Name. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're going to have lunch with them tomorrow, they break into your house, steal everything. You're like, oh, let's do lunch. Can I buy you a coffee at Elliot? I like, you're awesome. So let me say this. How do you know if you've actually forgiven someone? Is that a good question to ask? Come on, who's hearing the word tonight? How do you know if you've actually forgiven someone? Forgiveness is, I no longer seek revenge. I no longer seek revenge. But second to that, I no longer seek revenge. Now, here's the big one. Are you ready? This is the meat. This, this, is, this is not for the babies tonight. And I wish them no harm. Amen. I don't seek revenge and... I wish them no harm. May they be blessed. Which leads me to point number three. Amen. God's called us to pray for that person. You can pray. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them, the Bible says. Bless them. Stop cursing. Now, oh, I felt that strong right then. Stop cursing. You need to speak blessing. Amen. 
I'm getting close to 50, so I'm turning into dad preaching. <laughs> Before then, I was like, Jeremiah 29, 11, you're awesome. <laughs> now I'm past the dad. Why is it important to pray for them? Watch this, because if you pray for them, you can't hate them. Amen. You're getting distracted now. I know they've all got good shoes on, but don't, don't miss that. If you pray for them, it's impossible to hate them. You gotta pray for a Rishraphel. <laughs> you, you, you gotta declare His name. You gotta say her name. I had to do it with the person I spoke about. I had to pray for them. I didn't wanna pray for them. I'm like, Lord, I pray for Ben Sherman. Amen. <laughs> that was it. Cause like, yeah, but what are you praying for? Next day, Lord, I pray for Ben Sherman. Amen. And then one day, just by faith, Lord, I pray, would you bless them? Would you keep them? Would you fill their lives with peace today? In Jesus' Name, I pray. Because if you pray for them, it's impossible to what? Hate them. Amen. The only person that's gonna get you to get through what you're going through, and I know I said that very long, but anyway, is God. Because praying for them allows you, watch this, to live out your forgiveness. Tonight, if I said we're having a prophecy party, it's like who, who wants a prophetic word tonight? I like people everywhere, like, whoo, Rondai, Shondai, like it's happening. But the real stuff is forgiveness, is letting go of the offence, letting go of it and being willing as a child of God to stand down the front here tonight and to pray and to declare that person's name and to say, I forgive, Lord bless them. Now, for some of you, this is, tonight may be a dynamic breakthrough for you. And it'd be phenomenal. Like, let it happen in Jesus' Name. But for others, it's gonna be one step, tomorrow, another little step. Some of you are dealing with your fathers and you haven't let go of it. Come on, it's destroying you. It's hurting you. It's hurting your destiny. It's hurting your call. One of the things you learn about in life as you get a, a little bit older, you begin to discover that they were probably just dealing with a whole bunch of things that they were a victim of themselves. Be kind, be merciful, and let God take care of the rest. He's a good God and He loves you tonight. Can you say Amen? So Father in Heaven, we worship You. We love You. We look to the goodness of God. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for mercy. Thank You for kindness. Thank You for peace. Thank You that the Word of God says that the Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we receive it tonight. Righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Lord, our heart's desire. Come on, I just wanna pray this over you tonight. Our heart's desire is that we would be free.
For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Lord, we need mercy tonight. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't do this in our own ability, but we come boldly before the throne of grace. And we ask You, Father, as the Word of God says, for grace and help in the time of need. Lord, we declare Your Word. God is our refuge and strength. Watch this, a very present help in trouble. Tonight, the Good Shepherd is here and You will lead us beside still waters. You restore my soul. I pray for restoration tonight restoration and freedom in Jesus' wonderful Name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.